Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Ordinary people can achieve extraordinary things when they expect more of themselves. That's the message from our guest, Keisha Bell, who has overcome obstacles and achieved extraordinary success by ignoring the doubts and doubters. Keisha Bell is the Managing Director and Head of Diverse Talent Management and Advancement at DTCC, where she's responsible for developing the next generation of leaders through focused sponsorships and talent advancement strategies. Keisha understands what it takes to go beyond barriers. She believes in changing mindsets, forging progressive practices, and views each employee as an agent of change. Keisha says that the role of the leader is to make decisions that move things forward. Her secret is to never overcomplicate things and to keep it simple. While it's important to seek trusted feedback, eventually a choice needs to be made. That's why sometimes the most important decision you can make is just making a decision. So if you're feeling stuck and overwhelmed with choices, remember that unless you're a surgeon, there is no patient on the table. Just make the decision. In this episode, Keisha tells us about her career path, what helped her achieve her goals, and why it's important to find joy in everything you do. Visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Keisha. Hi, Keisha. Welcome to the Beyond Bears podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. Um, so you've achieved tremendous career successes, and I'd love to uh, hear more about the highlights of your career journey and what is the biggest lesson you've learned? I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that I can accomplish anything. I think I have the propensity to underestimate myself. I think uh, when I first started my career, I really underestimated myself. If you'd asked me 20 years ago if I thought I'd be here, um, I probably would have said no. Uh, so the biggest lesson I learned is that I can accomplish anything and not to underestimate what I'm capable of. I, uh, that's so interesting that you share that because we hear that so often from, you know, the work that we do at Beyond Barriers about um, really high performing and high achieving women that have consistently underestimated themselves uh, or have struggled with self-doubt. And therefore, the, it limits the size of your dreams and your ambitions sometimes until you learn that actually that doesn't have to stop you. So for you, what were some of the reasons why you underestimated yourself and how did you actually overcome that? Well, I think some of the reasons are societal, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, an African-American woman, um, an out lesbian, right? And so mm -hmm. those three identities, a woman being black and being an out lesbian, right? Uh, it, you don't necessarily climb to the top of people's hierarchy in terms of expectations of you. So yeah. I was constantly underestimated. And so a part of you starts believing that underestimate, uh, underestimation of your mm. skills or your skill set. And you also go unnoticed a lot. Um, mm. And so that also makes you doubt uh, and underestimate yourself. So what I had to start doing was one, not believing that 
believing in the lessons that I was taught as a young girl from my mother and my aunt and my grandmother, who were all African-American women who were underestimated and overlooked, Mm -hmm. um, and standing up and being a bit Mm -hmm. louder about what I could do and what I could accomplish, um, being a bit more pronounced and, um, and intentional about mm-hmm. where I directed my energy and my skill sets, but letting people know what I was capable of and yeah. not being afraid of that. That's powerful. Now, you're also in an industry that is very male-dominated and fairly traditional in many ways, right? And Wall yes. Street and financial <laughs> services. And here you are, the very top of one of the leading organizations. Um, walk us through sort of how did you gain clarity on that career path? Like, did you know this is what you wanted to do? How, how did it unfold? No, I don't think I knew this is what I wanted to do, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think I initially knew I wanted to lead, but didn't know what I wanted to lead. And mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to lead because that is my personality. I've always <laughs> been the kind of mouthy, outspoken one. Even (laughs) as a kid, I was always the one directing the games, right? And I was like, oh, we're going to do it this way. Let me organize it. Let me show you how to do it. So I always inherently understood that I could lead things and felt comfortable in that position. And my mother and the women in my family and the men in my family fostered that, right? And, Mm. And let me lead and let me talk. So I think I didn't know that I would lead a talent management organization or lead diversity, equity, inclusion, or lead corporate social responsibility and ESG reporting. I didn't think of all that, but I knew I wanted to, I knew I had emotional intelligence. I knew I was relationship driven. I knew I was execution driven, right? I knew those things um, inherently were positives for me. So I, I think I also raised my hand a lot for, for things that were coming up and difficult mm. assignments in the organization mm. to say, I want to do that, right? Give that to me. And I didn't shy away from those opportunities. I viewed them as opportunities. Other people viewed them as um, kind of landmines. I, I didn't view it as that. So just kind of raising wow. your hand, being outspoken about mm-hmm. what you want to do um, has helped me. Wow. Um, so as uh, you've taken each of these steps in your career, um, you know, how did your specific sort of expertise emerge from that? And, and what's interesting in your role today is that you not only lead talent management, but also DEI. So uh, share sort of how did those converge and what do you see as the most powerful aspect of having those integrated? Um, well, sometimes, you know, people, when you're, I explain it this way, when you're 19 or 18 years old, choosing your college major and going through school and learning, you think, you know, what you want and you think, you know, what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that college education or that degree or advanced degree aligns with the work you ultimately do. And sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. For me, it did not initially. Um, so I went into financial services. And what services. was your degree in? I'll tell you. I went to financial services and worked in a traditional finance career, middle office, mm. back office, broker deal operations, mutual funds company, then ultimately came to DTCC, worked in technology, worked in product management, um, uh, in uh, uh, the wealth management division, worked in the risk 
uh, division of DPCC and then came into um, diversity, equity, inclusion space. And also, you know, that was kind of my side hustle. I was part mm -hmm. of the ERGs. I was part of the diversity mm -hmm. council. And then I got this role. Well, my degree is actually in organizational behavior and leadership and wow. management studies. So it's kind of a full circle moment yeah. for me that I, my HR degree is now being used in right. the role that I have for talent, uh, talent management and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think the things, I think that was a good thing because I've got years and years of experience of being mm -hmm. in the business and understanding what it's like to be an employee moving through talent management, onboarding, talent development, leadership development, all of that through the organization. Mm -hmm. And now I have that experience and I couple it with the information I learned a long time ago right. with my degree. And it helps me lead better. It helps me right. make better decisions, make more informed, experiential decisions. It seems like you followed your curiosity around different areas and uh, gained experience, you know, in, in so many aspects of the business, especially front of the house, which I'm sure uh, serves you as you are in an HR function uh, mm -hmm. and relate more to the people that uh, you're responsible for. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Steve Jobs had that quote about all the dots connect looking back. <laughs> And right. this, is, this is so much of this that, is, right? Like all, yeah. all of the dots connect looking back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. For years, I thought, oh, I'll never use this degree, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> here I so am, what right? would you say to someone that uh, is, you know, in a certain career path, but is feeling lost and, and just not sure about, you know, like they, they just don't have that certainty or clarity about, is this the right path? Am I, am I living my purpose? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And often we find folks in their uh, mid-career stage goes through that sort of almost like a career crisis of sorts, right? You have a certain number of years of experience in something, but you don't know, is this it? You know, so what would you say to someone who's sort of not feeling that total certainty or clarity? Well, you have to be ruthlessly honest with yourself about what you're good at, right? And that's hard. Um, there are certain mm -hmm. things that I'm just not very good at, right? And mm -hmm. so it's helpful to take in, and, and that can change over time. So it's helpful to take inventory of that periodically, right? You should also have a career roadmap. And it doesn't have to be this kind of complex document, right? It, sh it, it mm -hmm. should be something that you've said, here's where I ultimately want to get. Here's the steps I outlined to, uh, on that journey. Check in with yourself to see where you are on that journey. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to have to pivot. Sometimes you're going to have to change some of those steps. Um, sometimes you're going to have to change some of the detail in those steps. But compare that to what you now think you're good at. Compare those steps and, and, and change it and adjust if you need to. But you also should solicit trusted feedback if you're struggling mm. with uh, where you are, right? So look at your roadmap, uh, be honest with yourself about what you're good at, but then get also get feedback from trusted sources. And mm. all feedback is not good feedback, right? <laughs> Some people have very different motivations for giving you feedback. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's a trusted source. Maybe it's a sponsor. Maybe it's a mentor. Um, just someone who is in the position that you might want to be in or ultimately get to that's on your career map. Maybe talk to someone in that position and, and, and compare, right? And say, mm -hmm. what do you, who see, someone who's seen you in action as well, what do you think I'm good at? 
right? What do you mm. think my opportunities are? Um, and then just kind of hunker down and rethink things if you need to, yeah. right? Things, if I look back at some of my career roadmap, it doesn't go like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's all yeah. over the place, right? Yeah. And you have to accept and, that. And sometimes it's just knowing your North Star. And like you said, you got to know yourself. Self-awareness is one of the most important things because yes. uh, when you align to your strengths and passions and, and stop fixating on your weaknesses and things that uh, it, it's just not your path, uh, it's right. easier to let go and double right. down on what you're great at. So, right. But that also speaks to decision-making. Right? Uh, you know, at some point you just got to make a decision. You can't be waffling mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and, and going back and forth. So your uh, career has involved a variety of uh, very critical positions uh, mm -hmm. with important decisions and risk-taking, right? The nature of the business that you're in and the roles you've had. Um, share with us kind of, you know, do you have a certain framework for decision-making and risk-taking that has guided you either personally and professionally? You know, when moments of complexity where you're faced with, gosh, you know, this is a pretty pivotal decision. How do you process it? <laughs> First, I panic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> to be honest, completely honest, I panic. I, I, you know, I get the sweaty armpits, the back of the hair, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. I'm like, Ugh. you know, but then I center myself, right? And I understand in that moment that I need to make a pivotal decision. I try to get as much information as possible, right? And, and to get as much information as possible, you have to be a good listener. Um, I cannot stress enough um, being in a leadership position, people coming to you with information and wanting you to make important decisions, big, small decisions, listen because people are giving you information. And if they're not giving you the information you need, ask for more, right? Mm. Don't be afraid to say, okay, this, this, this. And then there are going to be times where you're going to have very little information. Um, I trust my gut. Mm. I trust the principles or my core values that kind of guide me, core values of integrity and empathy and, mm. and listening and, and humility and accountability, right? And I'm mm. not afraid to take ownership of a bad decision because I've made bad decisions, right? I've made mm. decisions that I'm like, that probably wasn't the best. Um, but I, I would say the most important thing is having information and listening mm. to that information, right? I've seen yeah. a lot of leaders get a lot of information and because of ego, uh, don't listen to it, mm. right? And that will lead to a bad decision. Um, I, I, I surround myself with people who I think that are smarter than me um, mm. to give me that information so that I can make those pivotal, critical decisions correctly, uh, but listening. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. So you also indicated like that initial sense of panic and fear, mm -hmm. um, you know, in those situations. Um, now, you know, there are so many different types of fear sometimes that we don't even know about or limiting beliefs that hold us back. And um, when we're not even aware of them, they can be bigger obstacles because you don't know the enemy or fighting mm -hmm. <laughs> again. So mm -hmm. um, how do you generally deal with fear or limiting beliefs? And I would imagine that, you know, just given societal conditioning and factors and systemic bias, there's probably lots of different types of fears and limiting beliefs that, you know, are part of our lived experience. 
how how have you coped with that or how do you overcome well i've had a lifetime of that right uh, <laughs> um I, I talked about before how people have um not expected a lot from me and their expectations were mm. lower um i honestly block it out mm. i ignore it i again centering myself and understanding what i'm capable of um mm. and whatever your opinion is of me really really doesn't matter um mm. i am here to perform a task to do a job and i talked about my core values of showing up being authentic being accountable doing the right thing um and acting ethically i let that guide me and i don't really care about what you think mm. or don't think and again my mother always said people are going to expect the worst of you people are going to expect if they don't expect the worst they're going to expect very little show mm. them each and every time that you are so much better than that wow that's powerful i love that that is incredible um and you certainly have kesha it's it's great to I, see that <laughs> I hope so. I I I I honestly, you know, and when people, you know, you you said north star. My north star for me is not my CEO, it's not who I report to. It's my mom, my mm. aunt who cleaned houses for people and had a third grade education but was the best at running a household and balancing checkbooks, right? My great grandmother who was a sharecropper, my mother who was a sharecropper, right? I am mm. my ancestors wildest dreams I think is the saying. So that's wow. my north star. That's who I'm trying to impress, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not anyone else. It must have been uh an incredible inspiration to grow up with what sounds like, you know, a family of very strong women. Mm -hmm. Uh what are some of the most what's sort of most pivotal lesson you have gleaned from their lives and their wisdom? that uh, that guides you that life was not going to be easy it wasn't going to be easy because of the various identities that i occupied i remember when i came out to my mother she was it wasn't the typical oh my god you're you're a lesbian oh no it was she was upset because she was like you your life is going to be so much harder you're already a black woman right mm. she she instantly even though she had no experience with the lgbtqia community she mm. knew that that was going to be an additional barrier for me yeah um so you know it, the thing that that i learned from them the most is life was going to be difficult but that doesn't mean it can steal your joy right mm. you have to find joy in everything and you can no matter how difficult right my aunt cleaned houses on her hands and knees all day long and made $10, $15, right? She knew she was being undervalued, but it didn't stop her from showing up and doing the best she could and it didn't mm. stop her from enjoying her life outside of that menial or what people some people perceived as menial work. She took pride mm. and joy in making people's homes um mm. beautiful, right? Mm. Find the joy. And, and 
And there's such a powerful lesson in that of, you know, that pride in how, you know, what you do and how you mm-hmm. do it and how you show up, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what role or position uh, right. you hold. You know, it's, That's right. Uh, that, that is an internal choice, you know, we all have to make. That's right. That's right. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So as you, you know, as you look to, uh, the future, you know, coming from Mm -hmm. that legacy that you carry and, and the future of everyone that you're inspiring. Uh, What's most important to you as you look ahead and uh, think about the world we're living in and what it's becoming and your role as a leader and change agent, what's important for you uh, in that? That I create opportunities for others, (laughs) that I create opportunities for others, especially others that look like me, that look like you, that Mm. don't look like the expectation of excellence, right? That Mm -hmm. look like others that come from other backgrounds that have backgrounds like my aunt or my great grandmother or your great grandmother or your, Mm -hmm. your, your family, right? That I don't cross the bridge and raise the bridge and Mm -hmm. (laughs) leave everybody behind that I've low, not only have I let the bridge down, but I've lowered it to let more or broadened it to let more people come across that bridge. Right. I, I just want to be a, a change agent and create opportunity for others who are like me because, you know, I, I'm not that special. There are lots of little black, brown, yellow girls that are like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who are better than me, who've got wonderful ideas, who, who, who are just waiting for the right opportunity, who are waiting for the right mentor, the right sponsor to show that they mm-hmm. can shine as well. So it's about yeah. creating opportunity. Well, that's exactly what our mission is at Beyond Barriers is democratizing mm-hmm. access. You know, you and yes. I talked about earlier where um, it's not necessarily lack of motivation or talent, but sometimes it's just lack of access. And when you don't yep. have access to the right resources and relationships, um, you know, it's hard to navigate towards your dreams. And, and I think for those of us that have that access, have the platform and have the visibility, it's, it's a responsibility to lift up others and uh, create yep. a path for that. I learned about access very early. I went to a public school. I, I grew up in Bedside, Brooklyn, it, you know, an underserved community, mm-hmm. largely African-American at that point. And I went to a public school and I was a good student because my mother required that <laughs> despite <laughs> the lack of resources in that school and the teachers did their best. So I was in a a gifted class. And and at that point they had um, programs for minority students from underserved communities to go to Mm -hmm. private schools. And so I was selected and had to test and interview, et cetera, et cetera, to go to this private school in Brooklyn Heights, which was a very different neighborhood for me. So it's about access. Right. Mm. And I, and I learned that because 
of the three, there were four girls that were picked out of my sixth grade class to go to the school. I watched all of my other classmates who didn't qualify for various reasons to go to the school, whether it was test scores, whether it was economics, whatever. I watched them succumb mm. to environmental factors, um, early, you know, motherhood, um, you know, lack of access to continue their education, lack of money, mm. whatever, and not go in as far in life as the four of us who had mm. access to the school and the superior yeah. education and then access to college prep courses and access to now college. And the only mm. difference was that, was that access, was that ability to think about how much further we could go in life, right? Versus mm -hmm. that limited view that the schools offered um, in, in my underserved community. So I learned about access in my teens and have yeah. carried that lesson with me. That's a powerful story because what that shares is uh, you know, not only the impact that access can have <clears throat> on your career path or opportunities, but also how access changes the scale of your vision which is sometimes the most powerful thing because you know we don't give ourselves permission to dream if our environment is not conducive to that and and Correct. as soon as the environment shifts your vision expands even if your skills don't and that Correct. bigger vision then pulls you forward and it's uh, you know so indicative of that and i think you and i both share have you know shared lived experiences of that yep. where access yep. that. so yep. um, how do you keep yourself <clears throat> at the forefront of uh, you know, new skills, new competencies, as the world is changing so fast where the shelf life of skills <laughs> is just 18 months or so, right? Like everything's changing fast. Anything we are an expert mm -hmm. in today, it's going to be outdated mm -hmm. by next year. Um, mm -hmm. My question is specifically from the point of view of being a busy executive with a lot of demands on your um, time and your life. I read an interesting stat that said, you know, as much as, you know, 40% of the nature of work is going to change, and yet the average person spends no more than five minutes dedicated to their own skill development. Now, you're also in the talent business. Uh, what are you doing? How do you keep yourself learning and growing? I am intellectually curious, number one, right? Mm -hmm. So I love learning, except coding. I don't want to learn coding. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Talk about learning, knowing what you're good at. I took a coding yeah. course in college and dropped out the first week. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is not for me. But being intellectually curious um, about things that are emerging keeps me aware, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, if I could go to school full time and someone pay me, I would. I would get five PhDs because I just <laughs> love learning, right? So having intellectual curiosity and a love of learning, but uh, back to my a uh, point around listening and hiring smart people. I have wonderful leaders around me. I have a wonderful team, right? And I listen to them because they're more attuned to a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of things that I'm not. And so when they bring ideas to me, I listen to it. When they send me an article, I read it, right? And, and I have, I, they know I'm an active listener. And so the door is open for them to give me or bring me or impart their wisdom onto me. I don't see it as one way. I mm. see it as um, a dual relationship that I can yeah. make decisions and give them information, but 
I see a lot more information flowing my way. So it's, it's, it's listening and being intellectually curious, right? Yeah. But also surrounding yourself with people. Smart that, people. <laughs> smart people, and, but also diverse points of views that you can. Yes, uh, yes, gain absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and listening to those perspectives, right? Yeah. I see a lot of people say, I, I surround myself with diverse perspectives, but then they don't listen to them, right? Mm. Yeah. It, it's a lot harder to unlearn and let go of the biases and dogma than it is yes. to learn new things. Uh, but sometimes yeah. you got to empty the cup to fill it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of relationships and people, you know, what has helped you develop uh, valuable relationships and a professional network um, in, in your career? I, obviously, you can tell I'm passionate, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's how I show up always mm -hmm. with energy and passion and an attitude that I want to do this. Um, I, I think a lot of times, especially women, we're a bit afraid to show up with that passion is, you know, for me mm -hmm. as a, a woman of color, right. You know, that passion is sometimes perceived as aggressive or, or, mm -hmm. you know, all of those tropes. Um, yeah. But I, am committed to excellence in all of its forms. And I let people know by my work, by my actions, by my, not just my words, but my, my work and my actions that I am committed to that excellence. So it is not a question for them whether they should sponsor me, whether they mm. should let me enter into their network. They want me there because they mm. want my perspective because they know that I care and they know that I'm passionate about it and that I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. Um, mm. I think that's always been my, if you talk about a brand, that's always mm. been my brand. If you give me something to do, I'm going to be thoughtful. I'm going to be strategic about it, but I'm also going to get it done. I'm going mm. to do whatever I need to do to get it done. Right. Yeah. So speaking of getting it done, um, how have you mentioned that execution is one of your, you know, uh, superpowers, right? Um, what has helped you be really effective at execution, especially across your personal and professional life? I don't overcomplicate things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, analysis, paralysis, Lord, you know, Gantt chart, this, that. Some, sometimes we, human beings. Yeah make things much more complicated than they need to be. Not saying every, some things are very mm. complex. Uh, so I try not to make things overcomplicated. That, if I would say it, that's a superpower for me in terms of execution, but I also, you have to understand your audience or your client mm. or your customer and who you're doing this for and what they're trying to get to or what they're trying to accomplish and never lose sight of that in, you know, mm -hmm. analysis and, and oh, yeah. solutioning and all of that, right? Not just don't overcomplicate things. Sometimes most things in life, you know, I, I tell people and, you know, I, I have these sayings and, and, and that comes from my family's Southern background. Southerners always have these sayings. I, I, I tell people, you don't have a patient on the table. <laughs> no one's going to die if you don't get this right, right? That is a complex decision. If you have a patient <laughs> on the table, 
whose chest is open and you're trying <laughs> to transplant an organ, right? That's <laughs> complex. What we do day to day, I'm not trying to diminish it, but do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Put it in context. Also, yeah. a lot of times when women are struggling with um, decisioning or they're struggling with, how should I do this? Oh my God, uh, and making things more complex. And, and I say this a lot to mothers. Yeah. How many kids do you have at home? Two. Okay. You are raising future human beings to occupy this earth. No more important job than that, right? Do you put this much decision into what you do? <laughs> this much thinking <laughs> into what you're doing for them? They're like, no, I do this, 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 this. So if you know that raising a little person to grow into a responsible, ethical human being is more important than what you're doing here, why are you tearing your hair out for this, right? <laughs> that is really good perspective. <laughs> yeah, we just absolutely- overcomplicate things so much. There's no greater role than being a parent, right? And raising future generations, right? But, and some stuff we just kind of like, we're like, okay, you go ahead and do that. Yep, go do it, right? Yep. And how do you keep yourself grounded every day? What helps you take care of yourself? My family, my wife, Mm. my mother, my sister, my brother. They don't care. I'm an executive. I'm just, I'm still, (laughs) I'm just Keisha, the talkative middle child. And they they let me know it all the time. We have group texts and, you know, we're ribbing each other. You know, we just keep it light. I'm I'm still, yeah, the talkative middle child, the one who wouldn't shut up. The one who's always late to pick people up to everything, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. that, that's how I stay grounded. Right. No one in my family takes me seriously. They don't, I'm not an executive. I'm just Keisha. Yeah. I love the joy that exudes. It's very much like your family says, right? Find joy in everything every yes. day. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. 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 All right. Well, let's dive into the lightning round questions Mm -hmm. um, so our audience can get to know you at this level. So um, what book has greatly influenced you? There are a lot because I like to read, but the one that's probably most recent is The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. And it's the story of three African-Americans and the great migration from the South where, you know, 6 million African-Americans started leaving the South in the early 20th century and, and moving North. And it's my family story, but she follows these three, fo- these three individuals. Um, one left for a better opportunity. One left because he was about to be lynched because he was doing civil rights work. And another woman again, left for another opportunity. And that was my family's story about leaving wow. the South and looking for, economic prosperity, looking for the American dream, um, but also fleeing terror, right? Mm. Um, so that's, it's a wonderful, well-researched, um, true book. And if anyone wants to know about the African-American history in the U.S., yeah. they sh- I would say read it. It's, it's wonderful, wonderful. And I think uh, looking back and learning from history is so important as we look forward and encounter mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. similar patterns emerging uh, yep. and, and all that we will have to step up to. Again. Yep. 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 What's your favorite quote, um, or saying? Well, my favorite author is Toni Morrison and anything mm. she said is just, <laughs> I love it. You know, she just ex- 
gems uh, just flew out of her mouth and on, onto paper as well. So there's two quotes from her that I love. One is kind of cheeky. It's, you know, it, but it's not cheeky. It's truthful. And mm-hmm. it's like, it says, if you want to fly, you got to give up the SH blank T that weighs you down. <laughs> right. And you I do love it. Nothing could be more truthful. Yeah. And the other one though is, and it's for, this one is more applicable for leaders, right? Mm-hmm. As, as you enter positions of power, dream a little before you think, right? Mm. And I find that for me, when I'm thinking about decisions, when I'm struggling with something, when I'm, you know, mulling over things and thinking about where to go, just in life or whatever, a lot of times the solution comes to me in my dreams. Honestly, mm. it's, in those waking mo- it, it, it's in those waking moments right before I wake up or sleeping, I'll wake mm. up, hmm. Hmm. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Dream a little before you think, right? It's mm, beautiful. Uh, what is a, a moniker, one word you would use to describe yourself? Fierce. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> I love it. Totally Fierce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is uh, the one change you implemented that made your life better? Trying to get rid of negative self-talk. Right. Mm. And I still, I'm still trying to get rid of it. Right. <laughs> Again, mm. that's, women are taught to doubt themselves on so many levels. Yeah. Making sure that I'm affirming myself, making sure that I'm saying, you got this, you got this girl, yeah. you could do this. Breathe. Yeah. You know, it's going to be okay. You're smart. You're capable. Getting rid of the negative yeah. self talk. Right. Yeah. So true. So, what power song would you walk onto stage with? Oh my God. It's so hard. But <laughs> I, I had to decide on one. I was like, okay, I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan or yeah. Houston. I love that song. It, it yes. just, it's just so powerful. And, and it, back to my point about me believing that I can do anything, that reinforces that point, that I can do anything. Yeah. And I think most women can do anything. Just that, anything. Is, that is a very inspiring and powerful way uh, mm-hmm. to conclude this interview. I mean... Everything you shared, Keisha, has been uh, filled with wisdom and inspiration for our audience. I'm so excited for them to learn from you. And we will continue to cheer you on as you keep rising higher. But most importantly, you know, letting the ladder down and lifting up others as you have been doing. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your leadership. um, And thank you for being on this show. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.